Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. As always, I'm your host, David, and this week we are continuing our series on the Norse Germanic deities. Last time we talked about Odin, and this week we'll be talking about both Frigg and Freya. So Frigg um, is associated with marriage, prophecy, clairvoyance, and motherhood, and she dwells in the wetland halls of Fensalir. Um, she is pretty much always portrayed as being the wife of Odin, but she's also linked to the goddesses Fulla, Lofn, Hen, Ginna, and ambiguously kind of is said to be an earth goddess as well, although there is a separate deity of the earth, which is Juru. Um, her children with Odin include the god Baldur, and she has some thematic associations with Freya, which we will talk about in a moment. So the English weekday name for Friday bears her name, meaning Frigg's Day, and even after the Christianization of the Norse areas, the mention of Frigg continued to occur in Scandinavian folklore. During modern times, she has appeared in popular culture and has been the subject of art and still receives veneration and worship in Germanic neo-paganism. So the connection with and the possible earlier identification with the goddess Freya with Frigg in the Proto-Germanic period is a matter of significant scholarly debate. Like the name of the group of gods to which Freya belongs, the Vanir, the name Freya is not attested to outside of Scandinavia. This is in contrast to the name of the goddess Frigg, who is attested as a goddess among the Germanic peoples and whose name is reconstructed as the Proto-Germanic word Frigia. Evidence does not exist for the existence of a common Germanic goddess from which Old Norse Freya descends, but scholars have commented that this may simply be to the scarcity of surviving sources. Regarding a Freya and Frigg common origin hypothesis, the scholar Stefan Grundy comments that the problem of whether Frigg or Freya may have been a single goddess originally is a difficult one, made more so by the scantiness of pre-Viking Age references to the Germanic goddesses and the diverse quality of the sources. The best that can be done is to survey the arguments for and against their identity and to see how well each one can be supported. The English weekday name of Friday comes from the word Frigg day, which means day of Frigg or Frigg's day. And I don't speak these languages, so I apologize in advance if I am not pronouncing these things correctly. I'm probably not. Um, but anyways, the name Friday is named after Frigg. Um, and the old high German word Freitag, which borrowed from the old nurse Frigger. And all of these terms derive from the late Proto-Germanic word Frigidag, the day of Frigg or day of Frigg. And this is also associated with the Latin phrase Veneris Dies, which means the day of Venus. And that's where we get the word uh, for Friday in Italian, Venerdi, in French, Vendredi, and in Spanish, Viernes. So in the 7th century, Origo Gentis Langobardum and Paul the Deacon's 8th century Historia Langobardum derived from it a recount founding myth of the Langobards, a Germanic people who ruled a region of what is now Italy in the region of Lombardy. According to this legend, a small people known as the Vinil were ruled by a woman named Gambara, who had two sons, Ibor and Agio. The Vandals, ruled by Ambri and Asi, came to the Vinil with their army and demanded they pay them tribute or prepare for war. Ibor, Agio, and their mother Gambara rejected these demands for tribute. Ambra and Asi then asked the god Godan for victory over Vinil, to which Godan responded, Whom I shall first see when at sunrise, to them I will give victory. Meanwhile, Ibor and Agio called upon Freya, Godan's wife. 
Freya counseled them that at sunrise the winnie should come, and that their women, with their hair let down around the face and the likeliness of a beard, should also come with their husbands. At sunrise, Freya turned Godin's bed around to face east and woke him. Godin saw the winnie, including their whiskered women, and asked, Who are these long beards? And Freya said, As you have given them a name, give them also the victory. And he did so so that they should defend themselves according to his counsel and obtain the victory. Thenceforth, the Winil were known as Langobards, which means long beards. A 10th century manuscript found in what is now Merseburg, Germany, features an invocation known as the Second Merseburg Incantation. This incantation calls upon various continental Germanic gods, including Freya and Volta, to assist in healing a horse. It says, Full and Woden travel to the forest, then was her baldur's foal, its foot wrenched. Then encharmed it, Singdud and Senna, her sister. Then encharmed it, Freya and Wola, her sister, encharmed it. Woden, as he could the best he could, as the bone wrenched for the blood wrench, and the limb wrench, bone to bone and blood to blood, limb to limb, so be glued. In the poetic Edda, compiled during the 13th century from earlier traditional material, Frigg is mentioned in the poems Vilipsa, Vodomsmal, and the prose of Grimsmal, Lokasena, and Adrangathar. Frigg receives three mentions in the poetic Edda poem, Vulispsa. In the first mention, the poem recounts that she wept for the death of her son, Baldur, and Fenselir. Later in the poem, when the future death of Odin is foretold, he is referred to as the beloved of Frigg, and his future death is referred to as the second grief of Frigg. Like the reference to Frigg weeping in Fenselir earlier in the poem, this is implied to be her first grief. It's a reference to the grief she felt upon the death of her son, Baldur. Frigg plays a prominent role in the prose introduction to the poem Grimsmo. The introduction recounts that two sons of King Harnger, Agnar, age 10, and Gerer, age 8, once sailed out with a trailing line to catch small fish, but the wind drove them out into the ocean, and during the darkness of the night, their boat wrecked. The brothers went ashore where they met a crofter. They stayed on the croft for one winter, during which the couple separately fostered the two children. The old woman fostered Agnar, and the old man fostered Gerdur. Upon the arrival of spring, the old man brought them a ship, and the old couple took the boys to shore. The old man took Gerdur aside, spoke to him, and the boys entered the boat, and a breeze came. The boat returned to the harbor of their father, Gerdur, forward in the ship, and jumped to shore and pushed the boat, containing his brother, out, and said, Go where an evil spirit may get thee. Away went the ship, and Gerdur walked to his house where he was greeted with joy. While the boys were gone, their father had died, and now Gerdur was king. He became a splendid man. The scene then switches to Odin and Frigg, sitting in Hilsklauf, looking into all of the worlds. And Odin says, Seest thou Agnar, thy foster son, where he is getting children a giantess in a cave? While Gerdur, my foster son, is a king residing in his country. And Frigg answered, He is so inhospitable that he tortures his guests, if he thinks that they too may come. Odin replied this was a great untruth, and the two made a wager. Frigg sent her waiting maid, Fulla, to warn Gerdur to be wary, lest a wizard who could seek him harm should see him, that he would know this wizard by the refusal of dogs, no matter how ferocious, to attack the stranger. While it was not true that Gerdur was inhospitable, inhospitable, what? inhospitable excuse me, with his guests, Gerdur did as instructed and had the wizard arrested. Upon being questioned, the wizard, wearing a blue cloak, said no more that his name was Grimnir. Gerdur had Grimnir tortured and sits him between two fires for eight nights, and upon the ninth night, Grimnir is brought a full drinking horn by Gerdur's son, Agnar, named after his brother. And the poem continues without further mention or involvement of the goddess Frigg.
in the poem Lokasena, where Loki accuses nearly every female in attendance of, pros- of promiscuity and unfaithfulness, an aggressive exchange b- occurs between Loki and Frigg. A prose introduction to the poem describes that numerous gods and goddesses attended a banquet held by Aegir, and these gods and goddesses included Odin and Frigg, who was introduced as his wife. Frigg is also mentioned throughout the Proetic Edda, compiled in the 13th century by Snerni Sturluson. Frigg is first mentioned in the Prose Edda prologue, wherein a euphemized account of the Norse gods is provided. The author describes Frigg as the wife of Odin, and in a case of folk etymology, the author attempts to associate the name Frigg with the Latin influence Frigida, and the prologue adds that both Frigg and Odin had the gift of prophecy. In the next section of the Prose Edda, Gjolfinging tells Gengleri, the king Gilf in disguise, and Frigg, the daughter of Fjölglin, is married to Odin, and that the Aesir are descended from this couple, and as that the earth was Odin's daughter and his wife. According to Hai, the two had many sons, the first of which was the mighty god Thor. Later, in Gilfengding, Gengleri asked about the Isinger, a term for Norse goddesses. Hai states that the highest among them is Frigg, and that only Freya is highest in rank next to her. Frigg dwells in Fensalir, and that is very splendid. In the section of Gilfenging, Frigg is also mentioned in connection to other unions among men and women. Hiln is charged by Frigg to protect those that Frigg deems worthy of keeping from danger, and Ginna is sent by Frigg into various worlds to carry out her business. In section 49 of Gilfenging, a narrative about the fate of Frigg's son Baldur is told. According to Hai, Baldur once started to have dreams, indicating that his life was in danger. When Baldur told his fellow Aesir about the dreams, the gods met together and decided they should request immunity for Baldur from all kinds of danger. Frigg subsequently receives promises from the elements, the environment, diseases, animals, and stones, amongst other things. The request successful, the Aesir makes sport of Baldur's newfound invincibility. Shot or struck, Baldur remained unharmed. However, Loki discovers and is not pleased by this turn of events, so in the form of a woman, he goes to Frigg and Fensilir. There, Frigg asks his female visitor what the Aesir are up to at the assembly. The woman says that all of the Aesir are shooting at Baldur, and yet he remains unharmed. Frigg explains that weapons and wood will not hurt Baldur. I have received oaths from them all. The woman asks Frigg if all things have sworn not to hurt Baldur, to which Frigg notes there is one exception. There grows a shoot of a tree to the west of Valhalla called Mistletoe. It is deemed young to me. To de- it is deemed too young to me to demand the oath from, and Loki disappears immediately. Now, armed with mistletoe, Loki arrives at the meeting where the Aesir are assembled and tricks the blind horror, Baldur's brother, into shooting Baldur with a mistletoe projectile. To the horror of the gods, the mistletoe goes directly through him, killing him. Standing in horror and shock, the gods are initially only able to weep due to their grief. Frigg speaks up and asks, who was there among the Aesir who wished to earn all her love and favor and was willing to ride the road to hell? and try if they could to find Baldur and offer Hel a ransom if he could be brought back to Asgard. Hemdor, Baldur's brother, accepts Frigg's request and rides to Hel. Meanwhile, Baldur is given a grand funeral attended by many beings, foremost mentioned of which are his mother and father, Frigg and Odin. During the funeral, Nana dies of grief and is placed in the funeral pyre with her husband Baldur. Hemdor locates Baldur and Nana in Hel. Hamdor secures an agreement for the return of Baldur, and with Hamdor, Nana sends gifts to Frigg, a linen robe, and to Fulla, a finger ring. Hamdor rides back to the Aesir and tells them what has happened. However, the agreement fails due to the sabotage of a Jotun in the cave named Puck. 
thanks to Loki in disguise. Frigg is mentioned several times in the prose Edda in the section Skaldskampa. The first mention occurs at the beginning of the section where the Aesir and the Arsinger are said to have once held a banquet in the hall in the land of the gods in Asgard, and Frigg is said to be one of the twelve in attendance. In Ingling Saga, the first book of Hemskraga, a euphemized account of the origin of the gods is provided. Frigg's mentioned only once. According to the saga, while Odin was away, his brothers Vili and Ve oversaw Odin's holdings. Once, while Odin had gone for an extended period, the Aesir concluded that he was not coming back, and his brothers started to divvy up his inheritance, but his wife Frigg they shared between them. However, a short while afterwards, Odin returned and took possession of his wife again. In the Volsigna saga, the great king Rerer and his wife, who is unnamed, are unable to conceive a child, and that lack displeased them both, and they fervently implored the gods that they might have a child, and it is said that Frigg overheard their prayers and gave them what they asked. Due to numerous similarities, some scholars have proposed that the Old Norse goddesses Frigg and Freya descend from a common entity from the Proto-Germanic period. Regarding the Freya and Frigg common origin hypothesis, the scholar Stephen Grundy comments the problem of whether they are the single goddess is a difficult one. Unlike Frigg, but like the name of a group of gods to which Freya belongs, the Vanir, the name Freya is not attested to outside of Scandinavia, as opposed to the name of the goddess Frigg, who is attested as a goddess common among all Germanic peoples. Similar proof for the existence of a common Germanic goddess from which Freya descends does not exist, but scholars have commented this may simply be due to the scarcity of evidence outside of the North Germanic record. In regard to modern influence, Frigg is considered an art and literature into the modern period. In the 18th century, Gustav III of Sweden, the king of Sweden at the time, composed Frigga, a play named after the goddess, and H. F. Bloch and Hans Fredrik Blinnick's Frau Frigg in 1937. Other examples include fine artworks by K. Ehrenhag, Tron Charles Dahlman, and Emil Doppter. And of course, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Frigg uh, has some limited role as being the mother of Thor and Loki and the wife of Odin. But as with most things with media and fiction, uh, their portrayal of the mythology is not to be taken as being very accurate. Okay, now on to Freya. So Freya is the goddess of love, beauty, fertility, sex, war, and sedir, which is a form uh, of sorcery. She's the owner of the necklace Brinksigamen, and she rides a chariot pulled by two cats, is accompanied by the boar, Hitzelzvani, and possesses a cloak of falcon feathers. By her husband, Ardor, she's the mother of two daughters, Nos and Gersami, along with her twin brother, Freyr, her father, Nerdur, and her mother, who is unnamed, she's a member of the Venir. Stemming from the Old Norse, Freya, and modern forms of the name are spelled a little differently. She rules over the heavenly field Folkvanger, where she receives half of those that die in battle, and the other half go to Odin's Hall, Valhalla. Within Folkvanger lies at her hall, Sursumner, and she assists other deities by allowing them to use her feather cloak, and she is invoked in matters of fertility and love, and is frequently sought after by the Jotnar, who wish to marry her. Her husband, Odir, is frequently absent, and she cries tears of red gold for him, and searches for him under assumed names. She has numerous other names, including Giffen, Hong, Mardul, Sir, and Vanadis. She's attested in the Poetic Edda, compiled in the 13th century from earlier sources, in the Prose Edda and Hamskringla, composed by Snorri Sturluson in the 13th century, and in several sagas of the Icelanders. In the short story, Sirla Patir, in the poetry of the Skalds and into the modern age in Scandinavian folklore. 
And again, scholars have debated whether Freya and Frigg are ultimately the same goddess, but it is significantly up for debate. In Scandinavia, Freya's name frequently appears in the names of plants, especially in southern Sweden. Various plants in Scandinavia once bore her name, but were replaced with the name of the Virgin Mary during the process of Christianization. Rural Scandinavians continue to acknowledge Freya as a supernatural figure up into the 19th century, and Freya has inspired various works of art. So in the Poetic Edda, Freya is mentioned or appears in the poems Vilipsa, Grimnismal, Lakensa, Promskiva, Ardengarthar, and Harlandern. And again, I'm probably not pronouncing these things correctly. So the Vilipsa contains a stanza that mentions Freya, referring to her as Oder's girl, being the wife of Oder. The stanza recounts that Freya was once promised to an unnamed builder, later revealed to be a Jotun, and was subsequently killed by Thor. In the poem, Odin tells the young Agnar that every day that Freya allots seats to half of those that are slain in the, her hall, Folkvanger, while Odin receives the other half in Valhalla. In the poem Lokasena, where Loki accuses nearly every goddess in attendance of being promiscuous or unfaithful to their husbands, an aggressive exchange occurs between Loki and Freya. The introduction to the poem notes that among the other goddesses and gods, Freya attends a celebration held by the Aesir. In the verse, after Loki has flighted with the goddess Frigg, Freya interjects, telling Loki that he is insane for judging up his terrible deeds and that Frigg knows the fate of everyone, though she does not tell it. Loki tells her to be silent and says that he knows all about her, that Freya is not lacking in blame, for each of the gods and the elves in the hall have been her lover. Freya objects and says that Loki is lying, that he is looking to blather about misdeeds, and since the gods and goddesses are furious at him, he can expect to go home defeated. Loki tells Freya to be silent and calls her a malicious witch and conjures a scenario where Freya was wont to stride her brother when all of the gods laughing surprised the two. Nordur interjects and he says that a woman having a lover other than her husband is harmless and points out that Loki has born children and calls him a pervert. The poem Prumskiva features Loki borrowing Freya's cloak of feathers and Thor dressing up as her to fool the lusty Jolten Pyrmir. In the poem, Thor wakes up to find that his powerful hammer Mjolnir is missing and tells Loki of the missing hammer, and the two go to the beautiful court of Freya, asking her if she will lend them her cloak of feathers so that he could try to find his hammer, and Freya agrees. Loki flies away in the whirring feather cloak, arriving in the land of the Jotun. He spies Pimir sitting up on top of a mound. He reveals that he has hidden Thor's hammer deep within the earth and that no one will ever know where it is unless Freya is given to him as a wife. Loki flies back in the cloak whistling and returns to the courts of the gods and tells them of his conditions. The two go to see Freya, and the first thing that Thor says is that she should dress herself and put on the bride's headdress, for they shall drive the, the Jotunheimer. Freya is furious, and the halls of the gods shake. She snorts in anger, and from the goddess the necklace brings him and falls. Indignant, Freya responds, most, most lustful indeed should I go to look if I journey with thee to the giant's home. The gods and goddesses assemble in a meeting and debate how to solve the problem. The god Hamdallar proposes to dress Thor up as a bride, complete with the bridal dress, headdress, jingling keys, jewelry, and of course the necklace brings him in. Thor objects, but is hushed by Loki, reminding him that the new owners of the hammer will soon be settling in the land of the gods if it is not returned. Thor is dressed as planned, and Loki dressed as his maid, and they return to the Jotunheimer. In the meantime, Thrym tells his servants to prepare for the arrival of the daughter of Nordur, when Freya, quote, arrives in the morning, Thrym is taken aback by her behavior. Her immense appetite for food and mead is far more than what he expected, and when Thrym goes in for a kiss beneath Freya's veil, he finds her eyes to be terrifying. 
and he jumps down the hall. The disguised Loki makes an excuse for the bride's behavior, claiming she simply has not eaten or slept for several days, and in the end, the disguises successfully fool the Jotnar, and upon the side of it, Thor regains his hammer by force. In the poem Odrungatr, Odrun helps Burgni give birth to twins. In thanks, he invokes the Vetir, Frigg, Freya, and other unspecified deities. Freya is the main character in the poem Hilandr, where she assists her faithful servant Atar in finding information about his ancestry so that he may claim his inheritance. In doing so, Freya turns Atar into a boar, Hildsvini, and by means of flattery and threats of death by fire, Freya successfully pries the information that he needs from the Jotun Hindla. Freya speaks throughout the poem and at one point praises Otar for constructing an altar of stones and frequently making sacrifices to her, saying, For me a shrine of stones he made, and now to glass the rock has grown. Oft with the blood of beasts was it red, and the goddesses ever did Otar trust. Freya also appears in the prose Edda in the books of Gilfinging and Skaldskapaldal. In chapter 24, the enthroned figure of Hai says that after the god Nodr split with the goddess Kai, he had two beautiful and mighty children, a son, Freyr, and a daughter, Freya. Freya is the most glorious of the gods, and Freya the most glorious of the goddesses. Freya has a dwelling in the heavens, Folkvanger, and wherever Freya rides into battle, she gets half of the slain, the other half going to Odin. Hai adds that Freya has a large, beautiful hall called Strasumner, and that when Freya travels, she sits in a chariot pulled by two cats, and that Freya is the most appropriate one for people to pray to, being the most approachable of the gods. And from her name is derived the honorific title whereby noble ladies are called Fruver, which means noble woman. Hai adds that Freya has a particular fondness for love songs, and that it is good to pray for her concerning matters of love. In chapter 29, Hai recounts the names and features of various goddesses, including Freya, Regarding Freya, Hai says that next to Frigg, she is the highest in rank among them and that she owns a necklace that brings them in. She is married to Odr, who goes on long travels, and the two have a very fair daughter by the name of Nos. While Odr is absent, Freya stays behind in her sorrow and she weeps tears of red gold. Freya plays a part in the events leading to the birth of Sleipnir, the eight-legged horse. In chapter 42, Hai recounts that soon after the gods built the hall of Valhalla, the builder, who was unnamed, came to them and offered to build for them in three seasons a fortification so solid that no Jotun would be able to overcome it. In exchange, the builder wants Freya for his bride, and the sun, and the moon. After some debate, the gods agree, but with added conditions. In time, just as he is about to complete his work, it is revealed that he is in fact a Jotun himself, and he is killed by Thor. In the meantime, Loki, in the form of a mare, has been impregnated by his horse, Selvhari, and so gives birth to Slipnir. In support, High quotes the Volupsta stanza that mentions Freya, and in chapter 49 recalls the funeral of Baldur and says that Freya attended the funeral and drove her cat chariot there in final reference to the goddess. Although the Christianization of Scandinavia sought to demonize the native gods, belief and reverence in the gods, including Freya, remained into the modern period and melded into Scandinavian folklore. The scholar Britt Murray Nustrum comments that Freya became a particular target under Christianity. Freya's erotic qualities became an easy target for the new religion, in which an asexual virgin was the ideal woman. Freya is called a whore and a harlot by the holy men and the missionaries, whereas many of her functions in the everyday lives of the people, such as protecting vegetation and giving assistance in childbirth, were transferred to the Virgin Mary. 
However, Freya did not disappear. In Iceland, Freya was called upon for assistance by way of the Icelandic magical slaves as late as the 18th century, and as late as the 19th century, Freya is recorded as retaining elements of her role as a fertility goddess among the rural people of Sweden. The Old Norse poem, Prumskiva, continued into Scandinavian folk song tradition, where it was euphemized and otherwise transformed over time. In Iceland, the poem became known as Puler, whereas in Denmark it became Thor Ahavskard, and in Sweden it became Torvason. A section of the Swedish poem in which Freya has been transformed into the fair reads as follows. It was the fair lady. She was so upset over pores the man that her blood burst from each of her fingers and ran down to the ground. In the province of Småland in Sweden, an account is recorded connecting Freya with sheet lightning in this respect. So we've already talked about her relationship to the goddess Frigg and the scholarly debate around that, so I'm not going to go over that again. But in modern times, Freya was treated as a Scandinavian counterpart to the Roman goddess Vetus, <laughs> Vetus, Venus and the Greek goddess Aphrodite. For example, Swedish literature, the goddess may be associated with romantic love or lust and potency. In the 18th century, the Swedish poet Carl Michael Bellman referred to Stockholm prostitutes as the children of Freya. In the 19th century, Britti Marie Nostrum observed Swedish romanticism focusing less on Freya's erotic qualities and more on the image of the pining goddess who weeps for her husband. She is mentioned in the first stanza of the Civil National Anthem of Denmark, written by 19th century Danish poet Adam Gottlob Oslingslager in 1819. In addition, he wrote a comedy entitled Freya's Altar, and a poem which features the goddess as well. In the 19th century, German composer Richard Wagner his opera cycle features Freya, the goddess, and combined with the apple-bearing goddess Odin. In the late 19th century and early 20th century in Northern Europe, Freya was the subject of numerous works of art. And starting in the early 1990s, derivatives of the name Freya began to appear as a given name for girls. According to the Norwegian name database from Central Statistics Bureau, around 500 women are listed with the first name Freya in the country. And there are also several similar names such as the first element of the personal name, Freudis. And that's all I have for you guys this time. Hope you enjoyed our DD series, and I will see you next week.